The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, October 11th, 2020, on the basis of Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Perhaps it was the excessive amount of hairspray that you used to get your bangs to stand straight up a full foot over your head and get them to stay that way all day long. Or maybe it was the 10 minutes you spent every morning tight rolling your favorite pair of acid wash jeans. Maybe it was all the trips you made to the record store to make sure that your music collection included the latest album from the Beach Boys or the Beastie Boys or the Backstreet Boys. Maybe it was your willingness to refer to things as dope or whack or the bomb or all that. It is amazing what we are willing to do and the lengths to which we are willing to go and how we will modify our behavior all in the name of fitting in. In fact, when you think about it, that desire for us to fit in, to feel like we belong, is one of the strongest desires we have as human beings. And of course, now looking back on it, it all seems a bit silly, doesn't it? Now that time has passed, now that the trends and the styles are different, now that we are much more mature and sophisticated as adults, we would never do things like that anymore, right? (laughs) Buy a brand new set of clothes or do something different with our hair just for an event coming up. Change the way that we act or the way that we talk based on who's around. Pretend we're interested in something we're not, or hide an interest or an opinion because it's unpopular with the crowd that we're with. We would never do any of those things as adults, would we? Or maybe that desire for us to to feel like we fit in is just as strong whether we're a teenager or a middle-ager. And because that's the case, you'll want to pay very close attention to the words of Jesus that are in front of us this morning. First of all, because this story that Jesus told is all about fitting in. And not just with a a group of our friends, not just at some event or get-together that everybody's talking about. These words are about fitting in with God and fitting in at the divine feast he has prepared for us. But second of all, you'll want to pay attention because these words of Jesus present us with a strong warning. Jesus' words make it clear that very few will fit in with God at this feast. In fact, many will be left out, but not not for the reason you'd expect. You see, we're right in the middle of this series that's entitled Unlike. Jesus is a king unlike any other, and as a result, so is his feast. This feast that he has prepared by its very nature is completely different from any event, any get-together, any party, any backyard barbecue that a person might attend. And as a result, many will not fit in, not because they can't, not because they tried as hard as they could and yet somehow still failed. Many won't fit in because they simply don't want to fit in. These words present us with a dire and urgent warning that we too need to hear from Jesus. And as we look at Jesus' words this morning, we're going to see that everyone can, but very few will, fit in at God's feast. Jesus' story actually gives us two reasons why a person might not fit in. This story is about a king 
who prepared a wedding banquet for his son, and he sends out his servants to let all of the invited guests know that everything is ready. The time for the banquet to begin has arrived. So don't picture in your mind the invitations to the wedding first going out. That has already happened. The, event, the, the invitations have already shown up in the mail. These guests have already RSVP'd. They've already indicated that they are planning to come, but now when the day finally arrives, they've changed their mind. And so the king responds by sending out even more servants to plead with them, to let them know that everything is ready. They should come to the feast. And their response? Meh. Shrug. Complete indifference. Instead, one of them goes off to do some work in his field, and another one goes off to do some work at his business. And then finally, we're told that, that some of these invited guests get so angry with the repeated invitations that come from the king that they literally kill the messengers. They put to death those servants that the king had sent. So what happened? Well, Jesus doesn't spell it out in this parable, but from the rest of the surrounding context, we can put it together. These invited guests who were invited to the feast, they represent the Jewish people. Out of all the nations on the earth, God had chosen to invite them to have this special relationship with him, this unique connection, this unique status before God. And at first, they were all on board. And yet over time, they developed this idea that they had been invited to this special privilege because of who they were. They somehow deserved it. They somehow had earned it. And over time, and especially when Jesus arrived on the scene, God made it clear again and again that that was not the case, that this invitation had been undeserved and unearned. How did they know? Well, because the invitation went out, not just to the pious and the devout Jews, but also to the Jews who were the outcasts and the sinners. And so suddenly that invitation, among many, had lost its luster. They were no longer interested. In fact, maybe you've even had this happen to you, where you get invited to some sort of event or get-together that you think is kind of exclusive, and you're so excited that you got invited. Not even so much because the event will be all that great, but because what that invitation says about you. You made the cut. You got in. But then as the day approaches, you find out some of the other people who also got invited, some of the other people who also made the cut, and suddenly that event doesn't seem so exclusive. Suddenly that invitation loses its luster. And in fact, while initially you might have been filled with pride at the fact that you got invited, eventually you're actually filled with pride at your ability to say, eh, I'll pass. Let those other people go. That's why this king says that those invited guests did not deserve to come. They didn't fit in at this feast where everyone was invited. They thought they had been invited because of who they were. And as a result, they no longer, they no longer wanted to fit in. Do you think that could happen to us? As we think about this heavenly feast to which our king invites us, I don't want your minds to immediately go to heaven itself. In fact, you maybe know that in Jesus' day, a, a wedding banquet was actually a series of meals that took place over a series of days. And so, yes, Jesus has invited us to sit down with him at a heavenly banquet in heaven by his side, but even already now, he invites us to sit down and dine with him, to taste and to 
enjoy the finest gifts that he has prepared for us. The unconditional love and acceptance that we have from our God. The complete and full forgiveness that God has secured by sending his son Jesus. And the peace for our hearts that comes along with it. The joy and the hope that we can have based on the promises that God has made to us. Promises that we know he will keep. He invites us to sit down and dine with him and enjoy those blessings by coming to church, by growing in his word in Sunday school and Bible class, and by making time for his word and for prayer in our daily lives and in our homes. Of course, that invitation from God to sit down at his feast isn't the only invitation that we get. In fact, stacks and stacks of invitations show up at our door each and every day. Invitations to work just a little bit longer and a little bit harder for that chance to get the raise or to get the promotion. Invitations to go to one more practice or one more lesson, to be in one more league or one more club. Invitations to try and keep up with all of the fun, all of the entertainment, all of the experiences that we see everyone else around us enjoying. So which invitations are we going to accept? And what determines which invitations we accept or reject? I think it's very easy for us to convince ourselves that sometimes the reason we aren't so excited about sitting down with God at his feast is because God's feast doesn't seem all that exciting. Church isn't all that entertaining. Sometimes it maybe even seems a little bit boring. Making time for God's word in your daily lives is hard, and sometimes it doesn't seem to make much of a difference. And yet Jesus' words expose a much deeper and more profound reason that determines which invitations we actually accept. We have a natural tendency to accept those invitations that say something about who we are or that give us an opportunity to prove something about who we are. You know, not everyone got invited to be a part of the tournament team. Not everyone got invited to the sleepover or the party. Not everyone got invited to the Sunday out on the lake or on the golf course. Not everyone even has the opportunity to work for the raise or for the promotion. I mean, look at what these invited guests in the parable did. They turned down an invitation to a wedding banquet. Why? So that one could go out into his field and pull weeds, and so that the other could sit down at his desk and answer more emails. Who does that? How in the world does that sound like more fun than even the most mediocre of weddings? Ah, but that work, that work gives them an opportunity to demonstrate something about who they are, to prove their worth. In contrast, accepting an invitation to a feast where everyone has been invited forces us to acknowledge that we are no better, no different, no more special, than anyone else. It forces us to admit that that invitation has not been earned. And so if our response to that invitation is ever, meh, shrug, okay, I suppose if everything else in my schedule works out, don't fool yourself. It's not because that feast that God invites us to isn't all that exciting or entertaining. It's because naturally we want to accept the invitations that say something about who we are or give us a chance to prove something 
about who we are. And if we think that we've been invited to this feast because of who we are, then we won't. In fact, we will no longer want to fit in. That's one of the reasons we might not fit in at God's feast. I mentioned there is a second one. So as the story goes on, this king demonstrates exactly what the invited guests had suspected of him. After they turned down his invitation, he tells his servants to go out far and wide, to go to the highways and byways and just invite anyone and everyone that they find, good or bad. And eventually the king gets what he wants. His entire wedding hall is filled with guests. So then the king goes out into his wedding hall to survey, to inspect, really, the guests who are attending his wedding. And he sees one guest in particular who is not wearing the proper wedding clothes. Now, there's a lot of speculation about wedding customs in Jesus' day and why this would have been such a big deal, why the the king would have gone over and, and questioned and interrogated this man about what he was wearing. Some people speculate that it was actually the responsibility of the host of the wedding banquet to provide clothing for all of his guests, and so this man had actually turned that clothing down, refused to wear it. Whether or not that's the case, it's really the man's silence that says everything that we need to know. He doesn't respond to the king's question by saying, well, this is the very best that I have. He doesn't respond by saying, this is all that I could afford. He doesn't respond by saying, I didn't have time to to run home quick and shower and shave and get all dressed up and, and come back. No, just complete and utter silence. He has no excuse. He is not wearing the proper wedding clothes because he has chosen not to wear the proper wedding clothes. Maybe he was one of those good ones who got invited, who thought that his clothes looked just fine. Maybe they even looked a little bit better than the ones he had been offered. Maybe he was one of those bad ones who thought to himself, well, if the king has invited me to come to this feast, he must be perfectly fine with how I look. All my life, people have been telling me that there's something wrong with me, that I need to change, but this king has has invited me and accepted me with open arms, and so maybe I'm fine just the way I am. Either way, He thought he could attend this wedding feast just as he was, and as a result, he did not fit in. Do you think this could ever happen to us? Just this past week, I was actually having a a conversation with someone and and sort of sharing with them this, this central good news of the Christian faith that we're focusing on today, that our status and acceptance before God and our place in eternal life do not depend on anything that we have done instead They depend solely on our trust in what Jesus has done for us. And right away, the person asks the question that people often ask. Well, does that mean there's just no responsibility at all? Does that mean there's there's no accountability at all? Does that mean that a person can just go out and do whatever they want, knowing that in the end, they'll be forgiven? The answer to that question is one that all of us want and not just as some sort of abstract thought experiment, but for very personal reasons. We all have sins that we would much prefer to hold on to, that we would much prefer Jesus to simply tell us that we're okay just as we are. We'd love for Jesus to say that it's okay if we don't watch our tongues and watch the gossip or the foul language that comes from them. We'd love for Jesus to tell us that it's no big deal, that when we get together with our friends, we have one or two or or three too many drinks. We'd love for Jesus to tell us that it's all okay, that we're greedy 
and materialistic with our possessions, that we do and we buy everything that we want, and in the meantime, we give back to God just a percentage or two of what he's given to us. We'd love for Jesus to say that all of that is okay because he has invited us to this wedding banquet, no matter who we are, it's very easy for us to think that we can attend exactly as we are. Because this invitation is based solely on his grace, it's easy to forget that it requires of us genuine repentance. To take whatever clothing we are wearing, whether that's the good things that we are so proud of or the bad things that we are so fond of, to take that clothing and cast it off and to acknowledge and admit that the only clothing that makes us fit for God's feast is the perfection of Jesus Christ wrapped around us head to toe. It's very easy for us because we've been invited, no matter who we are, to think that we can attend as we are. And when the king tells us that only Christ's perfection will fit, it's very easy for us to not, to no longer want to, in fact, fit in. As I mentioned, Jesus' words in this parable are really a, a very strong and stern warning. First to the Jewish people who were invited first, then to everybody else, good and bad, who were invited later on. It's an urgent warning to all of them and to all of us. And I'm sure you noticed it's also a warning that comes with a threat. You notice what happened to those invited guests who spurned the king's invitation. He sent his army to destroy them and burn down their city. And then that man who attended the wedding banquet without wearing the wedding clothes, he was bound hand and foot and thrown out into the darkness. If we don't want to fit in at God's feast, the consequences will be deadly and the consequences will be eternal. And here's my favorite part about Jesus' words. It's the, the line that comes right at the very end where Jesus states the moral of the story, you might say. He says, many are invited, but few are chosen. Based on everything that has led up until that point, we might expect that to end in a different way. We might expect Jesus to say, many are invited, but few will accept. Many are invited, but few will answer. Many are invited, but few will respond. Jesus says, many are invited, but few are chosen. The point is that this faith that is required inside of us for us to fit in is not on us, it's on him. It's something he is responsible for producing in us. In fact, it is his invitation to sit down at the feast and his offer of the wedding clothes that make us fit for the feast that actually produces in us that faith. You see, long after we've accepted all of those invitations that give us a chance to prove something about who we are, and yet still at the end of the day, we conclude about ourselves that we don't measure up that it's still not enough, our king will be there, inviting us to sit down at his feast where everyone belongs. And long after we've tried to convince ourselves that the clothes that we're wearing on our own are, are good enough and just fine, and yet, and yet still we look at them and, and there's something inside of us that knows just how ugly we are, our king will be there, offering to clothe us in Christ's perfection head to toe. As long as there is still time, our king will never stop inviting us to his feast and offering us the clothing that makes us fit for that feast. The faith 
that is required in our hearts, that makes us fit for this feast, is not our responsibility. It's not something we produce. He does, and he will. Yes, many will be left out. Yes, only few will fit in, Jesus says. But God will do everything in his power to make sure we are among them. Amen. Thank you.